I began to realize, you know what? Um, I'm living for Jesus instead of living from Jesus. Mm. And it changed the whole way. Yeah. And, and I've been teaching at his hill by that time right. for like 23 years. I don't know what. It, it never, mm. it never sank in. Mm. But it finally did. Mm. And it's exciting. Welcome to this episode of the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. Today I have with us a guest lecturer who's been here for quite a while. He's been here for a number of years. And as a matter of fact, if you're an alumni and you've been a student here, I'd say almost go back 30 years almost, you will know Job Martin, Dr. Martin. We have him here with us. Job, welcome here. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate you giving us the time. You just finished up a week of teaching, and uh, you're on your way home, actually, with your family and have just stopped by the house to to record this this episode. Uh, how was the week? Oh, a wonderful week. Yes. Uh, the, you wonder what's happening with students as things go downhill in the world. Right. But it was it's a wonderful class, mm. both classes. Right, first good, and second. Yeah, yeah. good questions, uh, interest. Uh, they're not um, heckling each other out there. There was good manners, mm. and uh, it, it was just it's good. Yeah, I was telling a group of men that I was meeting with the other day. You know, we 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 get so discouraged with uh, the, the the state of our society that you know how perverted it's become and just mm. just so. It, it can become very frustrating for us. Mm-hmm. And if we're not careful, we we just become fixated on that, and it, it controls us. And we, we miss the things that the Lord is doing. And, and I think, you know, what a blessing it is to, to, to see these students year after year with a heart for the Lord, a mm-hmm. desire to, to know Him. And, uh, and like you said, they're just a sweet group of, of, of students, and, and that's really encouraging. The Lord is, you know, the, 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 the world falling apart and our society messing up does not, does not control God, does not hold him back. He is still very much in control in the midst of all this. Amen. Yeah. And, and his uh, grace is sufficient. Yes. That's what he says, and it is. It is. And no matter how bad things get or what kind of a situation I'm in, his grace is sufficient. Amen. And he's always there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, um, how many years have you been teaching here? Well, uh, it's right at 30. Right at 30. Mm-hmm. Okay. It might be 31, but I think it's, it's 30, 31 right in there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were, Arlene and I were talking about that earlier today, and, and I said it had to be close to 30. Mm-hmm. She figured so, too, because she remembers the girls, your girls, being uh, they were probably teenagers when you first started teaching mm, here. Probably were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's gr- that's uh, that's great. Well, and yours were just little kids out there climbing the trees out there right. in front of the dining hall, right? Uh, and and uh, same with Charlie's kids, and yeah. And then there was uh, there were a bunch of kids. There were ten uh, in those earlier years. There were ten of them that all grew up together, all roughly the, around the same age. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a fun time for them. Mm-hmm. And, and they're still very close, too, yeah. those 10 kids are. And well, Herb's, Herb's family was right, right there, too. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. they were part of that 10. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, Job, now you, um, you're a Texan. You, you've lived in Texas for quite a while, haven't you? Well, we moved to Texas in 19... Uh, when did we move to Texas? 1968. Okay, yeah. 1968. Where, where did you grow up? I grew up in Pennsylvania. Okay. So I was about um, 50 miles up the Susquehanna River from where Patsy was raised. Okay, Patsy McCall. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, now, how about your home? What kind of home life did you have? 
you know, I don't know much about it. Um, what what did we do? Uh, we went to school. We I had band practice almost every night, mm-hmm. and um, get home and uh, do your homework, and go to bed. I mean, I don't remember much. Wow. We we didn't do very much as a family. My dad, uh, we, his dental office was in the front of our house. Okay. So he would go in the office at 8 o'clock in the morning. He would come out and have lunch, go back to the office, come out at 6 o'clock. We'd have dinner. And uh, then he would uh, usually, once television came in, we didn't get our first television until 1955. Okay. And he would watch television, and we would do homework. And, I mean, that's pretty much the routine we had. We went, my mom uh, took us to church. Oh, did, okay. Did she? Okay. Yeah. Uh, she um, she became a Christian. I don't know how old she was, but she was, neither dad nor mom were believers to start with. And okay. he was a Methodist all his life and stayed in Methodism. Okay. So he raised me the first till I was about 12 in the Methodist church from time to time. I mean, we weren't regular. Okay. But I did take, I was sprinkled in the Methodist church. Oh, really? When I was a baby. Really? Then I was, uh, I took what they called catechism. Mm-hmm. I guess learning the doctrine of the church, but I didn't hear the gospel. Didn't mm-hmm. know anything about mm-hmm. the gospel. But I got baptized again, sprinkled again when I finished that. And okay. And uh, they enrolled me in the church as a member at age 12, I think it was. Did that mean anything to you? Mm-mm. Didn't mean a thing. Okay. And uh, then my mom uh, had become a believer, and she left the Methodist church and joined a little independent Baptist church. Okay. And so she took the my brother and my sisters, and she left that church and went to this little Baptist church. And uh, all I ever heard in that church was, you're not supposed to drink, you're not supposed to smoke, you're not supposed to date girls that chew tobacco, you know. Right. Uh, you don't go to movies, you don't dance, you don't play cards. <laughs> Just hold your breath. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, uh, and also, uh, you better tithe, and mm. you better be a member, and you better be baptized. Okay. Okay. So, I've been sprinkled twice, but that's not the same as mm. the independent Baptist pastor thought I should have. But I wasn't even a Christian. Okay. So, he figured that out. So, actually, uh, for the first few years, as a teenager in that church, I was not a Christian. And... Uh, I was the only one at one point. The youth group was my sisters and myself. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. it's one of those churches, right. maybe 25 people on a good day. Okay. Um, but anyway, so he he would always sing this this song, Just As I Am. Yeah, have you ever heard that song? All 12 <laughs> verses. <laughs> have you ever heard them 100 times in a row? We we used to, I think I talked about it on the podcast one time. We I remember we used to sing all 12 during altar call, and if nobody came, would hum 12 more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they didn't hum them. They just kept singing. And I got tired of that. I really did. So I decided I'm going to walk the aisle because I was the one that everybody thought. (laughs) You were the one they were all singing for. (laughs) Yeah. So if I can get down there, uh, then they won't sing that song anymore. Okay. So really, that's what I'm thinking. Wow. So I did. I walked the aisle. And they all thought I got saved. Mm. And uh, the next Sunday, the pastor finishes his sermon, and then he says, 
I know there's someone out there who needs to be baptized, and here we go, and just as I am again, okay? <laughs> and I held out for three months Oh wow! on that one, okay? And finally, I just said, you know what? I'm just going to go get baptized. Mm. So I did. So I'd been sprinkled twice, baptized, uh, immersed once as an unbeliever. Okay. All right? So it wasn't until I got out of dental school, actually, until mm. I came to know the Lord as my Savior. Okay. Well, I, okay. Yeah. So what did you, so, so all this took place in Pennsylvania. It did. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then, so you graduated from high school. What did you do before dental school? Well, I went to Bucknell University, okay. majored in music and biology. And I actually had a tuba scholarship. Really? Yeah. And so we're still, I'm still playing tuba in the Rockwall Community okay, Band. That's right. Which is fun. Sure. And one of my daughters plays timpani. That's Miriam. She's a violinist. They don't have violin in the band. Okay. So she bangs away on the timpani. And Taryn plays bassoon. Okay. And I wish I could get Jenity to come in because it's her bassoon. I mean, maybe we could get really. A, yeah, maybe we could get another bassoon and they could both be. But Jenity doesn't want to do that. That's a hard instrument to play. Yeah, it's a hard instrument yeah. to play. Yeah. So anyway, so I I went to Bucknell and majored in music and biology. Okay. And then uh, went on to dental school, but I became an evolutionist at Bucknell. All well, right. that's interesting because I was going to ask: Was you know the Lord doing anything in, in your life in all of that? Obviously, there was something spiritual going on, but it wasn't wasn't necessarily the Holy Spirit. Mm, yeah, for sure. Uh, I went to a, a lecture. Well, I was in a class. It was called uh, what was it called? It was called organic evolution. Okay. Okay. And I took this class, and uh, the, the the teacher said that. Um, evolution is true that's how we got here that it's been proven billions of years and all that mm. and i it made sense to me and it makes sense to a lot of christians as a matter of fact right. we yeah. deal with that all the time and uh, so yeah i became an evolutionist then um got out of there and went to university of pittsburgh dental school but i got be, became a dentist while i'm there i got hooked in with some uh zen buddhists Really? Yeah. I didn't know that, Job. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And so I really started looking into Zen Buddhism. You don't really become a Zen Buddhist. You just keep looking into it. <laughs> and I don't know what you're looking for, actually, but that's what you do. And uh, But I thought, that's interesting. And so here I am, raised in an independent Baptist church, and now I'm an agnostic, maybe there's a God, maybe not, looking into Zen Buddhism, evolutionist, Okay. Okay. Well, uh, how did I get out of that? Well, uh, ultimately, I got offered a job at uh, Baylor Dental College. Okay. Well, how did I become a Christian? Uh, actually, I should share that. Um, uh, I was uh, went out of dental school and went into the Air Force, United States Air Force. And as a dentist. As a dentist. And I was somehow uh, chosen to be a dentist for President Johnson's flight crews, Air Force One Presidential Fleet, mm. from 1966 to 68. Okay. So, um, I... Uh, what did that entail? What Just every time the Air Force One went somewhere, you, you or one of the other dentists was aboard? Well, they, they liked to have a dentist and a flight surgeon. Okay. Uh, but whenever it was my turn, I didn't, I didn't go. 
because uh, I was afraid if I got out too far away, uh, Genity might decide to run off with someone else because we were dating at that point. Oh, okay. Yeah. Actually, we met in basic training in the Air Force. Oh, she was in the Air Force too. She was an Air Force nurse, became a casualty nurse during the Vietnam War. Okay. And um, matter of fact, um, how we met was I was sitting in the, in the officer's club, Shepherd Air Force Base, Wichita Falls, as a total pagan who had been raised in the church. I'm drinking a whiskey and seven up. And I said a prayer to the God of the Bible. Now, I'm agnostic. I don't know if he's there, okay? I just said, uh, okay, God, if you're up there, I said, you got two choices. You can show me the girl I'm going to marry, or you're going to see the wildest Air Force officer you've ever seen. And I thought, nobody heard that prayer. I'm going out and live it up. So I walked off the base, walked into the motel where the military had put us. There's this girl talking on the telephone in the lobby. And I thought, man, she's beautiful. I'm going to get to meet her. So she hung up the phone. I walked over. I said, hey, uh, if you're not doing, I didn't, even, I didn't even introduce myself. I, hey, if you're not doing anything tonight, why don't you come down to my room? I mean, that's not a good thing to say. Wow. <laughs> I mean, 56 years ago, it wouldn't mean what it means now, but it's still not a good thing to do. Right. Well, she ignored me completely, just took off in the other direction. But the next day, I see her on the base. And I'm a captain. She's only a second lieutenant. Okay. We're both in basic training. We're both naive enough to think she has to follow orders because I have the highest rank. Okay. So I ordered her to salute me. And then I ordered her to go out with me that night. And she thought she had to. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, she did. So we went out that night. And I told her I was going to marry her. And I knew I was. I mean, huh. there was no doubt in my mind at all. It's like God just told me you're gonna marry her mm. i don't know i just knew i was she thought i was crazy <laughs> uh but we did get married later that year and um that was interesting too because i i said i'm gonna marry you and then i kept telling her that then i that wasn't working so i started asking her if she'd marry me over a period of about three months and that wasn't working so i finally just said hey look uh, whenever you're ready to get married you just let me know i'll be there I'll, she says, I said, I'll be there till the end of time. I don't remember saying that. <laughs> but well, so. well, from my own personal experience with a wife, she's probably right. Yeah. You probably said it. I probably did. <laughs> yeah, well, that, I, that was a good technique, okay? Okay. Because I think she only lasted maybe three weeks after I said that. And I'm in Washington, D.C. She's in San Antonio at Wolford Hall Hospital mm. at that point. Mm. And I get this call. And I'm frying dinner. And she says, uh, guess what? I said, what? She said, I got all my irons out of the fire. And I said, oh, that's interesting. Well, aren't you excited? I said, well, what did you say? I got all my irons out of the fire. I said, well, what does that mean? I had not a clue, not a clue. She says, well, that means I'm ready to get married. She's from Oklahoma. Oh, okay. okay. Did you know what that would have meant? No. No, I didn't have a clue. Okay. So then she said, well, that means I'm ready to get married. So then I did get excited. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now you still aren't a believer. No, at that point I was a believer. Okay. Well, how did that happen? Oh yeah. I forgot to tell you. So after I prayed that prayer and, uh, I knew I was going to marry her after that first date, mm -hmm. uh, got to Washington DC and decided I was, I'd go to church. And I'd never gone to church. Why? Why'd you decide to do well, that? Well, I thought maybe, maybe the God of the Bible really does exist. Okay. Because I think that was an answered prayer. Hmm. So, I mean, I knew That's it was That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So I did. I 
my mom took took us to church. I mean, I'm glad she did. I, I fought her the whole way, all mm-hmm. the way through high school. Praise God, she stuck with it. Mm. But anyway, yeah, so I went to church, and it turned out it was a little Baptist church right out the gate of um, Andrews Air Force Base. Okay. And uh, the pastor shook my hand on the way out. Captain, anything I could do to help you spiritually? I said, anything you could do to help me spiritually? I'm zero. So he just said, would I read the Bible with him? Okay, 6 o'clock Monday mornings. We read Matthew, Mark, Luke. Okay. Just read it. Just read it. That's interesting. Now I know who Jesus is. Okay. So we get to John chapter 3. And I now know who Jesus is, according to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh We get to John 3.16, and it says, For God so loved the world. And it was like, bang. He hit me in the heart. I was part Mm -hmm. of the world. I loved the world. I loved the things of the world. And it was like God was just saying, Hey, Joe, I love you. Mm. So for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I got down on my knees with a fellow named Charlie Warford, put my faith and trust in Jesus as my Savior. He forgave my sins. He came into my life. I became a Christian. Amen. Then I started writing letters to Genity because she's down here in San Antonio, and we're not married at that point. And... uh and I'm, I'm, I read the whole Bible through in the first six weeks. And I'm writing her about Bible passages and stuff that I was, she didn't have a clue. She was raised in a liberal church. Okay. And the only doctrine she got was from the hymns. Okay. And you know what? We got a whole generation of young people that aren't getting the doctrine. Yeah. They're not getting it in the wishy-washy preaching. They're singing choruses that you right. can't even tell who they're singing about. Right. Uh they're not getting any doctrine and that's the only doctrine she got Mm. and so she was raised on hymns and uh, she knows a lot of doctrine that's how she got it so you know i encourage these young people you know learn some of the hymns sing some of the hymns Mm. yeah Mm. get that doctrine in you so anyway we we did um um i i helped her grow so i became her spiritual leader that's interesting even though she was way ahead of me as far as thinking she was in church and all that, but she wasn't learning anything. Okay. Yeah. Like, I think it was uh, maybe our first date. I told her I was a Baptist. And, uh, I mean, that was kind of a good thing to say because they think you're religious that way, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, oh, she said, you Baptist, you think uh, you, you, you're not going to lose your salvation. You, you can know you're going to go to heaven. Nobody can know that. I quoted Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Really? For by grace you're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I was not. I was a pagan at the time. Really? Yeah. But I had learned that in Sunday school when I was growing up. Hmm. And so it's like God just brought it to mind. I said it. She'd never heard it. And uh, so it, it, that's the way it went. I mean, hmm. uh, I just kept telling her scriptures before I married her and after i became a christian and mm. and uh anyway so I'm, I'm curious after becoming a believer all those memory verses that you had been taught did they start to to mean something to you oh they did oh yes they did so i mean praise god yeah you know for those sunday schools that they had us learn a mm. verse you know and this and that and i used to learn them because that's what you did you know and you yeah. got a prize every now and then sure. piece of chewing gum or something i don't remember <laughs> Yeah, they, they stuck. Well, it's like our girls. We started them memorizing chapters, 
when they were two years old, as soon as they could talk. Wow. They're memorizing chapters, not verses, chapters. Really? And those chapters, they still have with them today. Oh, wow. They don't have to review it. Uh, it's like every year we have them sing, uh, say, Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story, okay? Mm. They can just start saying it. They don't have to review it. It's just there. That's great. Romans 12, 2 Corinthians 4. I mean, there's a whole bunch of them. Psalms, uh, those things they learned way back till they were about 13 or 14, just stays with them. Mm. So I encourage these students, I encourage, look, when you get married and start having kids, get them memorizing scripture as soon as they can talk. Mm. Not just verses, but chapters. Because mm. they'll learn them. The, the, the problem is with dad and mom. Dad and mom don't want to take the effort because mm. you got to learn it with them. Mm. And, and uh, that, it's a struggle. It is okay. a struggle. Yeah. But anyway, so that that's what happened there. Okay. So how about uh, you and, and Genedine? When did, when did you get married? We got married in August of 1967. Okay. And we met in September of 1966. Okay. Okay. So now you're married... Uh, she was down in San Antonio, Europe, mm -hmm. in, in Washington. Yeah. How did you work that out? Well, she got what was called a compassionate transfer. And uh, she was able to transfer up to Washington, D.C. Okay. as a casualty nurse. Okay. So ordinarily, she would have been sent to Vietnam. Really? Yeah. But because we were married, and I was the dentist there for President Johnson's cruise and everything, they let her stay right there in Washington to okay. meet the the casualty planes when they flew in. So she would be the first person that these guys would meet in those big, what mm. were they, C-130s? I don't know. They had like eight litters high inside of oh, those wow. things. And, uh, uh, boy, they would start just crying, some of them. They're back on home ground, okay, yeah. and had uh, some of them were quadruple amputees you know some wow. of them were napalm burns were just oh it's awful but they were so glad to get back home mm. and she would meet them and then she'd be the first smiling face they would see here mm. on american mm. land and uh, and then she would take care of them and then we would we would ship them out to uh, various hospitals military hospitals around the country close to where they live so they okay. could be close to their families okay yeah and how long were you there I was there two years. She was there one year. My next, we were going to make a career of the Air Force. Okay. But my next duty, I was told, was go to Vietnam and identify the dead by their teeth. Okay. Because sometimes that's all that's left. Yeah. And so here's the body bag, and it's somebody been burned with napalm, and you can't recognize anything but their teeth. So you have to get in their mouth and check their fillings against these charts and try and figure out who this is. And I just didn't think I could do that. Mm. I just, I just couldn't do it. Mm. So I, we both got out. Okay. That's when I went into private practice down at uh, the Manned Spacecraft Center, Clear Lake City. Okay. All and right. My, yeah. So my patients were the uh, astronauts' families and and uh, the engineers for NASA. I still keep in touch with a lot of them. Do you? Yeah, not a lot of them, but some of them. Now, in all of this, you're, you're, you're both believers. I'm, I assume that you're active in church. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, but you're still, uh, you're still not. Um, I, I don't. I'm thinking about the book that you wrote. Mm -hmm. uh, you were which for for our listeners, Joe 
wrote a book years ago entitled The Evolution of a Creationist. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there was there was a time there as a believer, you were still believing evolution. I was. Okay. Yeah. So now I, it, all this time now you're you're growing in Christ, you're you know, you're 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 maturing as a believer, but you're still holding to evolution. But you didn't see the contrast in that, did you? I didn't think there's any problem. I didn't even know there was a problem. Okay. And I'd never heard a sermon on creation. I'd never heard a sermon on young earth. Really? Never. Yep. Uh, never heard a sermon on creation? No. Mm-mm. Never had. Wow. Or a uh, global flood, talking about the flood of Noah and just calling it what it was, a global flood. I'd never heard a preacher preach on that. Wow. And uh, so it was like... Um, we were we were doing some Bible studies with some of the astronauts' families and things and the teenagers, clear like high school. And um, we got this idea that maybe I ought to go to, uh, where was I? I'm getting my timing. My wife is usually here to help me on my timing on things here. Um, how did that work? I'm, I'm a private dentist. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, I was a private dentist mm-hmm. in one community. And we got this idea, you know, if we could get on a faculty of a dental school and then evangelize and disciple dental students and dental couples and then send them out into communities, we could, like, multiply our ministry. Hmm. Instead of just being one dentist in one community, we could be sending them out to a lot of communities. Hmm. So that was kind of a vision I think God gave us. Okay. So we applied um, for some schools in Baylor in Dallas, uh, the dean at that time was a Christian guy, and he said he didn't have a place for us. It's 1971. Didn't have a place for us. I'd been in practice three years at that point. But if one came up, he'd let me know. And so one came up. He said, would you like it? Well, I mean, I had decided I'm not going to advertise a practice for sale. If God wants us to go uh, to Dallas, he can send a dentist in to buy my practice. Okay, mm-hmm. so we didn't advertise. We didn't tell anybody. We're just we're just practicing away. And then this dean, I get I get this letter. Uh, it was like July twenty first, and the and I was supposed to be there. I was coming September first. He said, "Hey, um, you're gonna have to let me know right away. Are you coming or are you not coming to take the slot?" So we got down on our knees. I think it was a Sunday night, if I recall, Genity and I, and we're praying. We prayed. Uh, and Peter says, cast your cares on me because I care for you. So we said, Lord, we got this care. Um, you want us to go to Dallas and get in, in dental education, or do you want us to stay here, keep practicing, keep doing what we're doing? Well, we we want to do what you want us to do. So you, you're going to have to send someone in to buy the practice if that's what you want us to do. Well, the next morning at 11 o'clock, my assistant comes down and says, Dr. Martin, there's a dentist in here would like to talk to you. Mm. So he comes back. His name was Bruce Jordahl. He says, uh, you know, uh, do I know of a practice might be for sale in the area? I said, uh, we better talk. <laughs> so he was a believer, trusted oh, in the Lord. That's great. That was one of my stipulations. If someone does come, because most of my patients were believers, I said, I want him, I want him to be, well, he was a believer, and in two hours' time, he bought the thing, really? no argument, nothing, and we were ready to go up here, September, September 1st, 1971. Wow. Okay, now, what I didn't know was, Baylor College of Dentistry 
was an extension of Southern Baptist Baylor University in right. Waco. Right. So it was like a Southern Baptist Christian dental school. What I didn't know was that as of September 1st, 1971, my first day there was the day that was the first day that Baylor was now no longer Baylor University Southern Baptist College. It was bought out by the University of Texas system, mm. and they had canceled uh, chapels. They used to have chapels mm. every day. They had fired the chaplain. They had a Baptist chaplain, and it had become a secular dental school okay. in one day. Okay? And that's the day I got there. Wow. Now, I had no idea any of this was going on. Okay. Was that the, the university as well, or was it just the dental school? No, just the dental school. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The Baylor University is still a Southern Baptist okay, yeah, school. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's very liberal. Yeah. I mean, right. they won't let me speak in chapel because I'm young earth. But mm. anyway, uh, even while I was a professor there, they wouldn't let me come down and speak in chapel. I'm, I'm anyway. <laughs> so, uh, where were we here? Um, the, the the first day at, at um, dental school. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, here I go. Now, I'm there, and that very first week. Don't ask me what happened, but somebody uh, came and asked me if I'd be willing to teach a Bible study to the dental students. Hmm. All right, they, how did they, I don't have any idea how that worked out. God just did that. Okay. And so they had reserved a room right there at the dental school, Wednesdays at noon. And we started having a Wednesday noon Bible study at the dental school. Well, then as a result of that, Jennedy and I started inviting uh, dental students over to our house. And every Saturday night, uh, we would have dental students in, and um, we started discipling dental students. So now we're doing what we thought we wanted to do, discipling them. They graduate. They go out into different communities and uh, form, join churches, do all kinds of stuff. So that all worked out uh, real good by God's grace. And though, although I look back, and we weren't nearly, excuse me, spiritually uh, where we ought to have been. Okay. We just didn't know, okay? I'm beginning to realize, you know when something really clicked? It was about seven years ago, all right? Mm. I've had uh, Major Ian Thomas's book, The Indwelling Life of Christ, mm -hmm. for like 30 years. Mm. Sat there on my shelf, okay? Never read it. Well, we somebody pulled it out. I think it was one of my daughters. Dad, why don't we all go through this book? Okay, so we got four copies, one for each. And we read it every night. For, there's 50 little devotionals in there. It only right. takes five minutes. And we started reading it as a family. And we would switch paragraphs, so we all kept our attention. You know, is it? Sure. Okay, yeah. your paragraph one, two, three. And uh, I began to realize, you know what? Um, I'm living for Jesus instead of living from Jesus. Mm. And it changed the whole way. Yeah. I, and, and I've been teaching at his hill by that time right. for like 23 years. I don't know what. It, it never, mm. it never sank in. Mm. But it finally did. Mm. And it's exciting. Yeah. And I mean, we yeah, recommend that. Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find that so, so often when we get to go places um, to preach, a lot of people will listen to what we're saying, talking about, you know, Christ being your life. Yeah. And they, they verbally give agreement to it because they, you know, the terminology, the words, the, the verses we go to, of course they believe, you know, they, they agree with these things, but so often 
we we there's a disconnect uh, that this is not just um, it's not it's not just terminology right that this is a person that we're talking about and I've had, I had the same experience you know, I went through the Torchbearer Bible School I went to Bible College and it wasn't until after all that that you know in a in a, a hard time just uh, also reading through a book of Major Thomas. You know, and, and coming to the same realization, you know, Colossians 2, 6, you know, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, and, and as evangelicals, we don't have a problem. Oh, yeah, I receive him by faith. So by faith, Christ saves me. But right. we don't see the second part of that verse. Therefore, as you have received him, so walk in him. So the life, you know, the, 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 the sanctification is the same process as the justification. Yes. It is by faith in Christ, not yes. faith in you to be like Christ. Amen. And so, but uh, I, I it just, it's amazing to me, you know, how, how, how it is so easy for us to miss. And to Major Thomas once told me, and we need to encourage each other and remind each other daily, he said. Um, and, and that's that has stuck with me over the years that we we need to continue to remind each other because it is such an easy thing for us to slip back into oh, the flesh and depend it? on ourselves yep. to be like Jesus mm-hmm. for Jesus. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, so that's yeah, that's exciting to you know to, to hear that you know that that from you that the Lord you know there was a time when the Lord could break through yeah and and reveal that to you yeah like seven years ago yeah okay yeah how old was i seven years ago i'm 83 however whatever age that was it finally broke through okay but how did i get to be a a creationist being in a convicted lectured at the postgraduate level on evolution evolutionist theistic evolutionist i i received jesus as my savior Immediately, I left Zen Buddhism, agnosticism. Okay, but I still, I'm still an evolutionist. I'm a Christian evolutionist at that point. Okay, and I, it's, I didn't know it, but now they call that a theistic evolutionist. Okay. There's other things like progressive creationists, all kinds of stuff. But anyway, I became a professor and uh, gave my first lecture on the evolution of the tooth from fish scales. You're teaching evolution. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And I can do that now because it is a secular dental school. Okay. See, it was Christian yesterday. It's not anymore, so to speak. So, yeah, so I gave this lecture. Well, there's still a lot of Christian students there. Mm. And so two students came up after class, after I taught them how over thousands of years, scales moved into the mouth and became teeth. I mean, you're thinking, what on earth were you (laughs) believing, old boy? (laughs) But that's what I was taught. So they challenged me but politely. Uh, Dr. Martin, would you be willing to study creation science with us? I mean, we think this whole universe is about 6,000 years old. Mm. Why, we believe there was a flood covered this whole world about 4,400 years ago. Would you study that with us? So, I mean, I didn't even have to pray about that. Uh, what's going on in my I said, of course I will, but what's going on in my mind? I, I'm thinking, how did these guys get into dental school? Mm. Don't they know the scientists have proven billions of years? There never could have been a flood that covered this whole world. I mean, mm. what? how did these guys get in here, you know? One of them had a Ph.D. degree, if I, if I recall. But anyway, I said, yes. Well, uh, it took almost five years. 
I was so ingrained in evolutionary thinking. But one, two, two things did it other than my Bible. Okay, so I'm reading my Bible. I'm, I'm praying, Lord, I need to know what is the truth on this issue. Is it creation? Did you do it like you say? Or is Genesis uh, more a, maybe a symbolical thing, maybe kind of allegorical, maybe kind of poetry? It isn't, and we know that mm-hmm. now from the grammar. Um, I need to know. So I'm reading my Bible. The students asked me to study the assumptions, the guesses behind evolution. Okay. I didn't think there were any. I thought it was a proven fact. Hmm. But I didn't know hmm. how to spot the assumptions in the evolutionary literature because they don't come out and say, guess number one. Here it is. Guess <laughs> number two. Okay. But what they do do, they'll say, we think, we believe, this suggests, this is probably, there's consensus. They use those kinds of words and when you see those words, you think, oh, they don't know that. You look down there for a footnote. Oh, no footnote. They're, that's just in their head. And so I began to realize what the evolutionists believe, if they're Big Bang, billions of years type, it's all in their head. It's not in true, uh, empirical, provable science. And so I'm beginning to see their assumptions aren't valid. And then these students ask me, to study a couple animals. First one they asked was a bombardier beetle and prove to them how that little thing could evolve. Well, I mean, I'm thinking, no big deal, okay? So I'm going to the textbooks, and I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm just, whoop, 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 because that little insect mixes chemicals that have such an, a violent explosive reaction that it shoots fiery hot gases out its twin tail tubes and shoots its enemies, like if a spider wants to eat it. Well, the problem is, if evolution is true and it's slowly evolving everything it needs here, and it mixes those chemicals that have that explosive reaction, it just splattered itself. Wow. And we know the splattered bug pieces cannot evolve improvements. <laughs> but it also, even if it had like an asbestos-lined chamber, which it has, it would also have to have somewhere for the explosive reaction to go. Okay, well, it does. It has these twin tail tubes, and um, and it can. Act, it's like a gun turret. It can aim those out the side, out the front, any which direction. It would also have to have to have to have the right nervous system to know what to shoot and when to shoot, and all of that had to be there at the same time, or that is one dead bug. Mm. Okay, and then they asked me to study the giraffe and why it doesn't blow its brains out when it bends its head down to get a drink of water. Well, I mean, who ever thought of such a thing? I mean, it bends its, it gets a drink of water. What's the big deal? So I looked into it. And I mean, it has incredible, all kinds of things got built mm. in mm. to help it survive so that when that big 25-pound heart squeezes and normally shoots the blood against gravity up, up to the head in that skinny neck, but he bends his head down and the thing squeezes and now co-whammo, it hits his brains and blows his brains out his ears. But it doesn't, of course, because God built all kinds of little valves and wow. things and all kinds of things. So I studied these animals, and I began to realize, you know what? They need all their parts. They're, they had to be created with all their parts. There's no way they could slowly evolve anything. Mm. They either have all their parts or they're dead. They don't exist. They don't exist. 
And so it took almost five years, but I did become a biblical, young earth, global flood creationist. And wow. there, that's where I stand today. Wow. I just taught that here at the school uh, the week after Thanksgiving. We right. Al- we always do creation. Right. Know? Yeah. And again, if you're interested in hearing um, Job explain more like this, th- there's a, uh, and we want to talk about it a little later, but but Job has founded a ministry and it, from that ministry, he he uses different animals as um, examples of mm. of just God's creative work, and that there, there's no other explanation. Um, and so, anyway, we'll talk about that in, in a little bit because I want to give you a chance to explain that to uh, to, to the listeners. Okay. So you were at the Baylor Dental School. Mm-hmm. Um, students have influenced you in a wonderful way yeah and uh so what did the lord do with you from there then well we were doing discipleship with dental students and they're asking questions that i couldn't answer because here i am a layman but i was learning everything i could and so uh and i decided since baylor dental college is basically across the street from dallas theological seminary that I ought to just go over there part-time and stay at the dental school part-time for four years and get my THM, and maybe I could help the students answer questions. So I got accepted at the seminary and uh, went to the dean, who did not like our Bible studies. It was a new dean, not the one that hired me. And uh, I said, I've been accepted over here at Dallas Seminary. I'd like to go part-time. I'd like to stay here part-time next four years. Oh, he said, "Uh, you can't do that. He said... uh, you either stay here full-time or you go there full-time, but I'm not going to let you do both. And then he went on and said, and you know, some flowers bloom better in a different field. Now, I was a full professor with tenure. Okay. So he couldn't fire me. Gotcha. But he was going to make it miserable for mm-hmm. me. <laughs> he already kind of had in some ways. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so that's I went home and told Jenny, I just resigned. Uh, we're going to go to seminary. Wow. And... Uh, so she thought she married a dentist, and now she doesn't know for sure what she marries. <laughs> She's done really well, I'll have to say. So that's how it all started. Okay, so you went to you went to DTS. Yeah, you graduated from there. Yeah, and uh, then uh, you you founded a ministry. We did. Yeah, mm-hmm. tell us about that. Well, I got out of uh, seminary, and I realized that the average Dallas seminary student is looking at the Bible intellectually and academically, but not in any way spiritually. Okay. And these guys in my class, they weren't doing anything to disciple their wives or their families. They weren't even uh, reading the Bible. They had children. Mm. uh, Weren't doing anything Mm. except their own studies. Okay. And it does take a lot of study. But we decided, you know what? It'd be nice if we could offer... Uh, some sort of discipleship internship to Dallas Seminary students in, in the field ed department and give them some habits of having devotions with their family and doing things. So the, uh, the seminary put me on as an adjunct professor. And so for 10 years, we did um, primarily uh, discipleship training, I guess you'd say, with seminary students. They got one hour of credit for each semester in the field ed department. But then Dallas Seminary canceled all of those kinds of hands-on uh, internships. There were about 80, 80 to 82 of us, I think, that did that kind of thing. Okay. And they, they stopped that. They changed the curriculum. So that 
that took care of that. But in the meantime, enough people were asking us to speak here and there and everything that we, we already had a lot to do. And so God had that worked out also. But I'm, I was sorry we couldn't do that anymore. Um, so that's kind of what we've been doing ever since, okay. kind of like itinerant teaching. Right. Yeah. Uh, Biblical Discipleship Ministries. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the, the name of the ministry. And and so itinerant, is, uh, that's how actually we we got in touch with you. Is uh, just how, how did we get to meet you? It was through your traveling, wasn't it? Didn't, uh, didn't we have a connection with somebody that knew you? Well, Charlie and I were in seminary at the same time. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. all right. And then, uh, but we didn't hook up in seminary. Okay. But then Jerry Benjamin came down. Okay. And we were friends with Jerry. As a matter of fact, he was our Sunday school teacher while he was a seminary student. And okay. he said, you know, you need to get down there and teach the creation stuff to those kids at his hill. So he said something to Charlie, I guess. Okay, so that's how it happened. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and you were there for uh, for now 30 years you've been teaching there. Yeah, I don't think we've missed a year. I don't think so. Yeah, Yeah. I don't believe so. Mm -hmm. Um, So tell us about... some of the some of some of what discipleship ministries is is about what you're doing um i I know that you've had a a big presence in the homeschool um scene and you also have videos out uh you have books and just just tell us about you know what the lord's doing with that and and it's it's a family ministry your whole family is involved in it yeah my daughters um went to pensacola christian college Mm mm-hmm and graduated elementary education and uh, came home and traveled with us for a year, a year and a half. And uh, we, we were still of the idea uh, they probably needed to get married. And where do you find someone to marry? Well, you can find them at college maybe, okay? So they went back to school and got a master's at Pensacola Christian College, then came back and traveled with us. And now... Uh, Pensacola Christian College called him up and said, would you be willing to come back and take a PhD? Mm. And uh, you can write your own proposal of what you want you to do. We just want you back on campus. Because they were discipling wow. fellow students while wow. they were there. Yeah, And they were like dorm mothers, or I don't know what they're called anyway. So they wrote up a proposal, and the academic committee accepted it. And uh, so they went back there to do their Ph.D. program, which was, what, three years, I guess, took them. And, uh, but they did things that might help our ministry. So, like, uh, Miriam did her thesis on the uh, debates of Duane Gish on the secular campuses. And so he gave her everything that he had. Really? Yeah. And uh, that was fascinating. We got to interview some of those uh, evolutionists that uh he had debated really yeah okay Uh, i mean it was fascinating (laughs) yeah i bet yeah uh anyway so so we do we do uh the we do a lot on those subjects of the creation and that's where the animals come in yeah we've got what do we have now we have 10 10 different dvds and we're trying to figure out what we're going to do now because a lot of people can't even play a dvd yeah. And we'll try to give them a free DVD. Well, I, I don't even have a DVD player. I said, well, you can do it on an Xbox. Yeah, almost everybody has an Xbox. <laughs> so right now we're using Xbox as our excuse, but we're going to have to start streaming all that. But anyway, we have 10 of those, all of them on different animals. Uh, the first three 
The first one is the animals I talk about in my book, The Evolution of a Creationist. Okay. And that's like the bombarder, beetle, the giraffe, the woodpecker, things like that. And people um, said, well, could I do some live shots of those animals? So that's how the first DVD came about. Well, it was a VHS at that point. And it is the animals in the book. And then they liked it so much, do more animals. So okay. we did number two, do more, number three. So those are the incredible creatures ones. Then... Uh, a fellow named Dan Breeding calls me up. He says, look, I've got animals, and you're not with any of your animals in The Incredible Creatures. Why don't we get together? We'll do some where we're actually right there with the animals. Mm. So, okay, good. So that's the Creation Proclaims series, and we're with, um, there's four of those, and we're with the animals. I mean, one of them, uh, we're out in the woods somewhere, and he comes and puts this massive boa, no, it was a, it was a python, around my neck i'd never even touched a snake okay <laughs> and here i am it's like a hundred pound snake wow. and he and it, he said now don't let it climb up the tree well what am i gonna do okay um and now the cameras are rolling okay twenty five thousand dollars a day i mean it's wow. like i'm so i'm trying to smile and handle this snake and uh, i had no idea what i was doing but anyway uh and we had a african crested porcupine Really? That's neat. Yeah, on a four-foot table. Okay. And Dan says, we can't let that porcupine jump off the table. And it's going to want to jump off the table because uh, they're hard to catch. <laughs> yeah, how do you catch oh, a porcupine? No okay. kidding. All right. So he said, if that porcupine turns and starts walking toward you, hold your hand out. And he gave me some fruit. He said, just hold your hand in front of it, and he'll eat the fruit and won't jump off the table. Okay. So after pretty soon, here he comes, turns around. So I held my hand out. He, the porcupine looked up at me, took some fruit, looked up at me, took another bite of fruit. And he, how did he do that? Uh, he came down. He was kind of eyeing me, came down, and his teeth came down on my finger. Oh. Okay. And he opened his mouth like, and looked at me like, Oh, no, what did I do? Okay. He turned around, walked back to Dan, and from then on, it would not eat out of my hand. Oh, wow. I'm thinking, is it embarrassed? What is this? You know, but these animals, they're just amazing. Thing. Anyway, so we did those, and then uh, we just, uh, just actually uh, two months ago, I guess, finished our last series called... Um, it's about Alaskan animals, uh, God's living creatures. So there's three of those. All of those are Alaskan-type animals. That was fun, too. And then a friend of mine, Dave Shorman, he writes uh, math textbooks for homeschoolers. Okay. And he's a mathematician. And they moved to uh, Hawaii so he could swim with the humpback whales. Really? Yeah, because they come down there in the winter, and that's where they have their babies. And uh, they mate down there, and uh, but they don't have teeth, so they're not dangerous. They have okay. baleen, and, and they just eat little tiny things, so they're not going to bother you. So he goes out and swims with them. Well, he photographs them, mm. and he's got underwater tape recording stuff where he'll tape them talking to each other, mm -hmm. and then he has some uh, drones where mm -hmm. he'll get out and take pictures and take pictures when he's looking right at them. And so he gave us all of these wonderful whale pictures for this last one we just finished of okay. uh, God's living treasures. And, uh, I mean, 
praise God, it would have been thousands of dollars to buy those kinds of things. But mm. we have some really unique pictures of the humpback whales. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. It really is. God just takes care of us. Well, if people are interested in seeing these videos, how would they how would they get a hold of them, and how would they get a hold of the book? Well, uh, we have a webpage, biblicaldiscipleship.org. Okay. We just had it all redone. Well, a volunteer has always done it. He called up, I'm redoing it. Okay. So I haven't even tried to get on it, so I don't know. But at biblicaldiscipleship.org, okay. you should be able to find uh, our DVDs, our books. Uh, we have a book, um, Biblically Handling Marriage and Divorce, uh, Biblically Handling Social Media. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what else we have there. Um, but we, um, it's... You can tell I never go there. I don't. <laughs> okay, but there's books, there's yeah. videos, yeah. there's there's things that 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 can be found there and purchased yeah. there. Yeah. Good. Mm -hmm. um, now I know for a while, uh, as part of the itinerant ministry, you uh, had the opportunity to go onto some secular ca uh, campuses. Oh yeah, and to to speak uh, to. I know in one case, at least one case that I know of, you spoke to the science department actually yeah. about um, mm -hmm. uh, about creationism. And even not just secular campuses, you've been on Christian campuses too. Mm -hmm. And what is, what's been some of your experiences doing this? Well, it's fascinating. Uh, early on, it was just hostility. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, University of Minnesota. I was up there, uh, first time I got there, right in the middle of my talk, this fellow gets up. And he starts giving a lecture on the benefits of evolution. He had already announced himself as the president of the Atheist Society at the University of it's Minnesota. And I'm praying, Lord, how are we going get to get rid of him? Okay, they give me two hours to talk and two hours for what they think are questions, which are more like them yelling at you. But anyway, so I'm praying, how are we going to get rid of him? Well, I decided to ask him his name. Okay, he hadn't said his name. So I said, uh, would you mind, may I, ask, uh, may I interrupt you a minute? I, mean, <laughs> my, my lecture. I said, uh, uh, would you please tell me your name? And so he told me his name. And I said, um, I still have my overhead projector at that point. And I had this cardboard that I had gradually exposed things on the overhead projector. Mm -hmm. So I said, I'm going to write your name right here on my cardboard. And every time I give a talk, which is all the time, I'm going to see your name. And every time I look at your name, I'm going to pray that the Lord Jesus Christ will make himself unmistakably known to you. Is that okay with you? This atheist. Yes, that's okay with me. My mother does that every day. Mm. I said, August, your mother's a friend of mine already. And he sat down. Okay. So oh, thank you, Lord. So the next time I come up there, University of Minnesota, this is the main campus. Okay. Here comes this fella with all these books under his arm and stuff. He said, now I need some things. And he e emailed me. We'd been emailing back and forth. I got some nasty emails. But anyway, uh, he said, I got some things I want to say today. I said, well, let's just see how it goes. Okay, so about an hour into it, here he comes again. This time he got up to the blackboard. And he's writing on the blackboard and giving his pro-atheism, pro-evolution talk. And, and I'm just praying, and Jenity's praying, okay, uh, Lord, we got to get him out of here. How are we going to? I got this urge to go give him a hug. Okay. So he's riding on the. I walked over. I spun him around. I said, August, give me a hug. And I just gave him a big hug. And he looked at me and he went and sat down. I said, 
Thank you, Lord. Thank that's you again. interesting. Yeah. So we have those kinds of things. Then that's secular. Okay. But the worst we ever had was at a Southern Baptist Christian college mm-hmm. up in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Aye, aye, aye. Um, they gave me, well, the students had reserved the main auditorium on the campus. When the administration heard, uh, this is Southern Baptist, okay, mm-hmm. and I'm Southern Baptist ordained, actually. Okay. When they heard I was Young Earth Global Flood, the administration at this Southern Baptist College, they locked us out of the auditorium. Okay. Well, the football coach was down there. He said, okay. He said, we'll go down to the football room. So everybody went down to the football room. It was a pretty big room. So we had about 200 people. There were about 20 faculty and administrators and then the rest students. So they gave me an hour and 15 minutes. So I gave my talk, wow. an hour and 15 minutes. And as soon as I finished, this girl stands up. How dare you come on our campus and insult our godly professors? I hadn't said anything about the professors. I'm just talking about what the Bible said, okay, and about creation and evidences for it. And went on and on. And so she sat down, and then this professor gets up. And he comes up to the front, and he holds up a little piece of paper. And he says, now, students, this piece of paper proves to you that everything Dr. Martin has told you is false, okay? I said, what's on that piece of paper? He said, these are the half-lives of nuclides. Well, the whole thing is theoretical, okay? Anyway, so I said, I don't know if I'd ever do that again, but I said, now, isn't this a Southern Baptist-supported educational institution? And one of the administrators, no. I said, so you don't take any money from the Southern Baptist? No. Well, okay, so I got home, and I got on the computer, and I got into the the school's development office, and I got the head of that, and I didn't tell him who I was. I just said, say, uh, do you all take any money from the Southern Baptist Convention or the Tennessee Baptist Convention? And he writes me a nice letter back. Yes, sixty percent of our support comes from sixty percent. Sixty percent comes from the Southern Baptists, uh, one way or the other. Here, mm-hmm. and he listed mm-hmm. it all, and so I made copies of that letter and sent it to the faculty members. I'd gotten their email, sent it all to them, and uh, not a one of them wrote back. Okay, but uh, I got in there because of a student who was studying in the um, science department, pre med. Okay, straight A's, and he had uh, had several lectures on evolution, mm-hmm. but he was a solid biblical young earth creationist, this student, and he had gone to the biological faculty and said, hey, guys, uh, here's what the Bible says, here's what you're teaching, and he wrote a paper. Okay, here's what they're teaching, here's what the Bible says. He presented the paper. And uh, they said, well, that's just what we have to teach because we're under the administration and they tell us we have to teach this and this. So he said, okay. So he went to the dean and presented the papers. And the dean said, I'm not even going to take those papers. And the the student said, I'm going to just leave them here on your desk and you can read them. Nope, take them with you. So he said, okay, then I'm going to go to the board of the college. So he did. And he had an uncle that was on the board that was against him. Because the uncle was an evolutionist, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, so he had no no luck at all with the board. So he said, he, he got on as one of those, what are they called, to go to the Baptist convention meetings. Delegate? Yeah, delegate. So he got on as a delegate. 
to the Tennessee Baptist Convention. And they gave him a voice to present his case, okay, about this Southern Baptist school that is teaching evolution. And uh, he gave his talk, and they took a vote. And they voted to stay with teaching evolution. Wow. Okay? And uh, so then he said, okay, I'm going to take it to the donors. So, I mean, he was determined to get God's truth taught at that school. Mm -hmm. Okay? He did it all politely. He's most. He's now, by the way, he ended up going to seminary. He's now a, a pastor. Okay. And uh, so he took it to the board, all right? Uh, not the board, the donors. Uh-huh. And uh, he sent them. And all of a sudden, he gets a call from the dean that he was supposed to just get quiet. And also, the dean wanted him to know, and he showed me the, the letter, that they were going to write a letter to these schools, medical schools, that he was applying to. And, they, and, he, and the dean said, you will never be accepted at a medical school. They were going to write him such a miserable uh, recommendation. My goodness. Okay, yeah, yeah. Th- this, is, this has happened. Well, so what happens? He says to me, calls me up after the dean said that, hey, hey, Dr. Martin, here's what happened. But he says, you know what? doesn't mean a thing. If God wants me in a particular medical school, I'll be in there. It doesn't mm. matter what they say. Mm. So he got accepted at the three top medical schools. Uh, and then he decided he didn't even want to go to medical school. <laughs> he wanted to go to seminary. That's awesome. Because <laughs> he saw how God had worked through yeah. all of that. Yeah. Now, uh, we were just with uh, his parents here in October. And uh, the tone of the whole college has changed. They have gone back. To teaching creation amen and so all of that horrible as it was going through it all but he stood up for what was biblical mm-hmm. and right and mm-hmm. that's what we try to tell the students here right hey come on let's stick with god's word he did mm-hmm. god honored that and now the whole co- it's a new administration mm. and they're going back to the way the bible teaches it well, that's encouraging yeah. here yeah well, Job, that's, and I think that's what I have appreciated about you over the years is that, you know, you've been, you've tried to, to keep it simple. This is what the Bible says. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's all you, that's all you, that's all we need. Mm-hmm. This is what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. And so the Lord makes, you know, he makes it clear to us. He works in our heart as we read his word. He reveals himself to us. And, if, and it's, it's simply for us to respond to what is true. Exactly. And, you know, I appreciate your ministry. I appreciate how you have brought that here to His Hill, how you've taught our students for 30 years as a guest lecturer, these truths. And I know that you, you've been, um, you have been a, a special part of their year over the years. You know, they, they talk, the students for years have talked affectionately. And I can say that it's not because you try to put on a big show. It's not because you try to be entertaining. You just simply want to present the word clearly for for what it says and i think that has that has been great of great impact to our students over the years so job thank you for that i appreciate you giving us this time i know you're trying to get home now and i'm here i am holding you over an hour in a conversation sitting at a small table but i I appreciate that i appreciate your ministry appreciate your family and what you mean to our family thank you for this time well we thank you kelly and we really missed it when you decided to head over there with your folks and take care of them and uh, we thought oh that's too bad but we're glad you're back 
back well, over here now. Well, and thank you for this this podcast. Uh, that what a good idea. Well, the Lord is you know put it on my heart, and when uh, I'm hearing from our listeners, and it's it just seems to be what the Lord's doing. So Amen. thank you for taking part in it. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the His Hill Podcast, featuring Dr. Joe Martin founder of Biblical Discipleship Ministries, beloved guest speaker, and longtime friend of The Hill. We hope it lifted your spirits today to hear from Job and that his words were an encouragement to you. We have our annual Ladies Retreat coming to The Hilltop April 14th through the 16th, and we would love to welcome you here for a weekend getaway. There will be time of fellowship, worship, and teaching from Bonnie Thomas and Sarah Snyder. Bonnie and Sarah are on staff at Ravencrest Chalet and we'll be speaking on Proverbs 31. If you would like more information or are interested in attending, please contact our office by email at retreats at hishill.org or by phone at 830-995-3388. Thanks again for tuning in with us this week to another episode of the His Hill Podcast. You've been listening to our host, Kelly Doherty, along with Dr. Job Martin. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ, alumni, and be encouraged. He is for you. I'm Lizzie, and we'll see you next week.